Welcome to the CFC Jacks Midweek Podcast, where we discuss topics related to becoming a fully devoted, spirit-empowered Christ follower. We hope that wherever you are today, you'll be encouraged by the truths discussed in this podcast. Well, good morning. This is your opportunity to ask questions from the service this morning. This is our time of Q&A, and so you'll see there's a number up on the screen. So if you have questions from this morning, we would encourage you to send them in. We do have some that came in during the service. So I know, <laughs> figured we might. <laughs> this is the q and I've been looking forward to. <laughs> so we do have a couple of questions, but if you think of others as we're answering these, um, feel free to send them in as well. And so our first question um, this morning was about a length, the length of time. So what is the time length of all of this? So they said instantly also are the seven years, our 365 day year mm-hmm. or seven God years. Um, it would, yeah, you have to make, um, you have to make a kind of decision that are we going to try to look at the days and the numbers given in the book of Revelation to be symbolic, or are we thinking, and we're going to take them literally, like, were there seven letters, um, to seven distinct churches, or was that just figurative? I'm always inclined to say, unless we have a clear reason from the Scripture of why we would not take that literally, I think there were seven literal churches that were seven literal letters spoken to. Do they apply to others? Yes. So I only say that because nobody ever asked me, do you think it was like seven churches, but we get to the other numbers and do I think it's going to be literally, uh, I think it's 1260 days uh, that's in the text. Do we think it's going to be a literal day? I I do. I think it's going to be a literal seven-year period. Um, A week, as is referenced in Daniel, the Old Testament prophet who looks forward. That's why we get the week, the seven days, uh, the seven years of the 69 weeks, and then the seventh week, which we get into all sorts of uh, material that that I couldn't get into. But in answer to the question, I do think it's going to be a seven-year period. Obviously, there are folks who think that is not the case, and I don't have a ton of heartburn if people go, no, I don't think that's a literal seven years. I think it's seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls, seven years. Mm. Yeah, as laid out there. Yeah. Um, additional question here. I know you mentioned that you talked about this on Thursday night. Why do you think that God would single out Revelation to give a blessing to those who read and hear the words of the prophecy? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it was 10 minutes long Thursday <laughs> night, which is a little easier to do on Thursday night because um, there's not a service behind, but people do want to get to bed, so I can't abuse this too much. <laughs> but I did refer on yeah, Thursday night. Chance now? <laughs> um, on Thursday night, I referenced that Revelation chapter 1, maybe you know this, maybe not, Revelation chapter 1 verse uh, 3 says, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it for the time is near. 
So I made the, the point of one of the reasons I wanted to read so much of the text in the service um, on this occasion was because the language is so strong and so severe, I thought I would actually minimize and lessen the impact if I tried to describe it versus just read it. Mm. Sometimes I, uh, I add words, not to the scriptures, but I add words after reading the scriptures to help us understand. It seemed to me that adding words was going to minimize the power of the scriptures mm. as opposed to maximize it. So that's why I read so much this morning. The specific to the question, why is there blessing for those who read this, uh, it doesn't specifically say, so I can get to guess like you might guess. I think what I just shared in the service that seeing the wrath of God to come and seeing the worship to God, of God to come, I think uh, there is blessing in recognizing it is coming, it is certain, and it's going to be severe. And there is, through faith in Jesus, a means by which we will be saved from it. So I think there is blessing in that. You know, the uh, many funerals, I'll talk about the fact that the Ecclesiastes says, it's better to go to a funeral than it is to a party. And the blessing of going to a funeral versus a party is the funeral makes me realize the unavoidable reality of death is going to happen to me. Am I ready? Death is the certain end for all. Are you prepared for death? I think the coming judgment of God revealed by the prophecy is so certain, so severe, the blessing is it calls you to the question, are you ready? Uh, specifically, Sorry, this is a little more than I thought I would say. <laughs> but specifically, I realized that um, when I was a young person, my mom and stepdad took me to uh, an Eve Sunday night program. I was not interested because I was a kid, but my mom was and stepdad were very interested, and man had memorized the whole Bible. Wow. And he was speaking about future things based on his clear knowledge of the Scripture. And it was his sharing of future things that actually was the moment in my own personal life of hearing about the judgment to come that I repented and believed in Jesus, that mm. that was the night of my salvation as a young person. So uh, that's just a personal mm -hmm. testimony to, I think, uh, you read the the prophecy of this book, and there is blessing. For me specifically, the blessing was of salvation. For others, it might be the blessing of salvation. For others, it might be the blessing of, I need to be more bold in sharing the gospel with others, and there's a blessing in being the co-laborer with God in his field. Uh, for others, it may be the blessing of, wow, I have become so fixated and attached to this world that's just going to get ravaged by the wrath of God. Why am I laying up all my treasure for uh, on a place that is actually going to get torched. I, and so it's a wake-up call to, I need to learn to live for eternity and for things that will last versus things that don't. So uh, 
I've just laid out. I think there's a number of blessings that uh, could be involved specifically mm-hmm. in the reading of the coming judgment, because what I believe about the future, I think, really does matter on how I live in the present. Oh, for those who, you know, for those who think, um, I'm die, I die, and it's annihilation. There is nothing after this life. Well, that informs them greatly on how they live in this life. If there's nothing after this life, wow, then I would live dramatically different because I believe totally the opposite. Opposite, then that dramatically informs how I live in this life. So that's the blessing. It helps us see the future. It informs how we live in the present. Mm-hmm. How's that for way too long for <laughs> less than ten minutes? Though. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> but I think it's a good reminder we often don't think about, or at least I haven't, like that that blessing that comes from the understanding yes. of knowing. Uh, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it. So, yeah, there is not just a reading and hearing. There's a reading and hearing that leads to it a change of action of repentance of some kind, a mm-hmm. heeding to what they've read. Yeah, a response to that. Um, question about the seven years. So when does the seven years start after the rapture? Like, I think it begins immediately. Mm. The the rapture, as we described it last week, we see in 1 Corinthians 15, the twinkling of an eye that the rapture will not be, uh, you know, like a day-long event or however we think of mm. these sort of things. I think the... <clears throat> I think that there will be the the removal of the church, the worship that happens in heaven, and because and this this gets a little hard, I understand, but I believe well, I be, yeah, heaven is an eternal place, and I'm in an imperishable body, so I do think once I leave this body and I enter the presence of the Lord, I'm leaving time. So you may go, well, there's got to be some time happening in heaven in Revelation 4 and 5 before then the tribulation begins in chapter 6. How much, how long is that happening? I think once we leave this body, we step out of the confines of time, mm-hmm. and therefore we don't need time on earth for things to happen in heaven. Does that make sense? I'm not sure I'm saying that clearly, but I think we lose time there. So Our understanding of time is not the same. Yeah, so things can be happening in heaven for all eternity, which take could take no time on earth because hmm. in heaven we, I think, will be outside of time. Hmm. So. so a question here for um, believers. So those who are saved, do they come to earth to view the breaking of the seals? I don't think so. I think uh, we will, the breaking, no, I do not think so. I think the description is the surrounding of the throne in worship, and the worship is of the one who is uh, breaking the seals. And then in chapter 15, what, which we read about the tribulation saints and what they'll say around the throne. Um, reveals that, no, we're not going to be on earth for it. We'll be in heaven worshiping the one who is worthy to execute it. Hmm. 
Did I answer the question? Mm -hmm. Sometimes I, okay. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Um, slightly different question, but uh, does the does this church believe in a Calvinistic view? Specifically, they ask about predestination. <laughs> uh, okay. I'll, I'll connect what I imagine are the dots there of, okay, an emphasis I've been saying is that in our our curiosity about future things that we need to allow what Jesus said in Acts 1, 7, and 8, and make sure you're capturing that those, that's the same, I didn't put two verses together, those were the things that Jesus said right after one another in real time, real space to real people who ask, is this the time you're going to set up the kingdom? And he says, it's not for you to know the times or the epics, the dates, which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you shall receive power. So he takes their curiosity about the future and fixes it on share the gospel, share the gospel, share the gospel. If the question, and I could be wrong here, but sometimes the whole idea of Calvinism, which is a word not in the Bible, John Calvin was a theologian long after the canon of scripture has been closed. The idea that there are those who have been predestined and elect, which are words in the scriptures, and therefore I do believe in that God has chosen to adopt us according to his will, and that he has elected us, he has chosen us. If that's true, why do we why do we share the gospel? And is there any urgency in sharing the gospel if God has already chosen? And the answer to that, very, very clearly, Jesus said, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witness. He, he, the scripture never, ever suggests that because God chooses and there are the elect, that therefore there is no reason for us to share. I think one of the uh, most practical things I ever heard is this, the more people I share the gospel with, the more people I discover God has elected. Hmm. <laughs> but if I never share the gospel, I'm probably not ever discovering who God has elected. So is salvation his responsibility? Yes. Does it belong to him? Yes. Does he choose to give it? Yes. And does he say, I'm an ambassador for Christ, a witness for Christ, that I am to have my speech full of grace and seasoned with salt? Yes. So um, do we teach Calvinism? No. Do we teach that God has predestined and God is elected? Yes. Do we teach Arminianism, the opposite of Calvinism? No. Because neither of those men spoke in the scripture. So we want to um, we want to stay true to biblical words and the biblical words is God has chosen and the biblical words are whosoever will may come. Whoever mm -hmm. whoever believes in the Lord Jesus will be saved. So we believe in both of those for those who say, well, that's impossible. You can't believe in both of those. We can because the scripture declares both of them. And just because they seem contradictory in my mind doesn't mean that they can't be true because the mind of God 
is significantly understatement of essentially the mind of God is significantly greater and bigger than any of our minds. So I'm I'm actually never bothered when what Scripture says doesn't make sense to me because I believe His ways. Isaiah 55, his ways are higher than my ways, his thoughts higher than my thoughts. I don't always need to understand. I just need to see what he says and believe it and act upon it. The power of going back to Scripture to verify. Um, So a question about those who have died prior to the rapture without accepting Christ. So the question is, will they have an opportunity to then repent? Yeah, I appreciate that question. That um, there seems, and I told you, I said in the message, I would seek to try to be clear when the scripture is clear and say seems or we think when it's unclear. It seems that there are some references, and I should know them off the top of my head, but I can't remember them in this moment, that indicate that maybe those who hardened their heart to the gospel during the church age and therefore remained on earth at the rapture and engage in the tribulation cannot respond to the gospel, that the hardening of their heart in the church age sealed their judgment, and that only those who could come to Christ during the tribulation would be those who have not Hmm. understood or had opportunity to hear the gospel. I want to go, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I know there are verses, and I know that there are folks who hold to that strongly. And I understand sometimes the holding of that strongly is a bit of a, so you need to get saved now, which is true. <laughs> I, I want you, if you have not believed, I want you to believe in Jesus mm-hmm. and believe in him now because he is the way to eternal life and abundant life. To somehow grab your arm, put it up high up behind your back and say, if you don't, then when the tribulation comes, you're never going to have a chance. That may be true. There is a hardening of the heart that we see in the scriptures and that God may exercise. He is the potter, we're the clay. He may exercise his right to harden your heart in the tribulation so that you have no opportunity to repent then. So repent now. But I am not going to say who God's who whose heart God will harden and whose heart he will not harden. If you have breath now, use it to call upon the name of the Lord to be saved now. But I don't know what will happen truly at that moment. So I don't know. It's the mystery. Yeah, it is. It is. And I understand the urgency. Mm-hmm. Um, but God doesn't need me to up the urgency. Mm. If God is, I knew it. I don't know if you would be able to testify this or not, Tracy, but it was unmistakable to me when God was literally sounding. It was not literal, but I, 
I said, God was knocking on my heart. God was opening my heart to the gospel. I knew it. Unmistakable. I think when God speaks to a dead heart and gives them the gift of faith that they might believe, unmistakable. He doesn't need my extra uh, incentive to make it happen. I get to, as I hope I did this morning, share the truth of the hope of the gospel and the work of Jesus on your behalf that you would receive it and believe and repent because I cannot believe in Jesus without repenting because I have thought something other than I need to think before I trust in Jesus. So repentance is a change of mind. What do you need to repent of in order to believe in Jesus? Some people need to repent that change their mind, I could never be saved. Other people need to repent, change their mind, I don't need to be saved. Others need to change their mind regarding uh, Jesus was another man, good teacher, but not the Son of God. Others would need to repent, change their mind about, well, maybe he died, but I don't think he rose from the dead. It is the Repentance is the changing of the mind. I cannot believe in Jesus without first repenting, changing my mind about either what I've thought about myself or him that, if, that has kept me from believing to that point. That's why it is repent and believe. Mm. And if you're sitting here listening back to this and you have questions, or we can come alongside you yep. in this. We would love to. Yep. So you can reach out to the church. We have the Connect card. Call the church, whatever. We're available. We're here to yeah. to pray with you and to, yeah. to help. On a personal level, yes. what's it, what would it mean for you to repent and believe? I understand there's a jillion questions about mm. Babylon and the harlot um, and all of that. It's a lot of it I don't understand. I tell mm. you, I was. I know we're running out of time here. I was greatly challenged by what they declare in Revelation 19, that hallelujah, her smoke rises forever and ever. In other words, the saints in heaven are rejoicing that justice has come and punishment of the wicked has been executed and will continue to be executed. They are rejoicing in the judgment of God that her smoke rises forever and ever. Hmm. There's a a lot we will continue to learn. Yes. But still such hope for what we will be able to declare. More heaven. to come. In the coming weeks, we'll look at the rest of Revelation 19 and in 2021. Oh, I'm not allowed to speak anymore. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was going to say thanks for joining us today. <laughs> Have a great afternoon. Thanks for listening to this episode of the CFC Jacks podcast. Be sure to watch as we release new teachings weekly, along with additional content during the week. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us at www.cfcjacks.com. Thanks for listening.